Good morning. My name is Eliah Bushlack. I'm one of the youth interns here at Marion Methodist. Our first scripture today comes from Joshua 1, 9. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Our second scripture comes from Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. It says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted him his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has it will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even if, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we just thank you that we're able to gather here and just worship and be in your presence. Um, I pray that we can go out there and go out of our comfort zone and to serve you and grow the kingdom of God. And we thank you for Pastor Mike and ask you to speak through him so we can experience the Holy Spirit. And would you just enter our hearts this morning? In your heavenly name, amen. Well, he's not here this morning, so I'll have to say this. Good morning, church. Gonzo is away on uh, vacation to a trip he planned, you know, actually during COVID. 
He's home in Argentina, so uh, we'll pray for he and uh, Annie and the kids that they get back safe, and we'll get along without him for a few weeks. And I do want to welcome all of you in the name of Jesus to Marion Methodist, whether you're here on our church right off Highway 13 at uh, 5050 REC Drive or uh, visiting, joining us on the church online. We're glad that you're, you're here. Um, I do want to take a moment uh, this morning um, because of where we stand right now. As many of you know, yesterday was Veterans Day, and I think it's important for us as a congregation to always uh, extend our appreciation to those that have served our armed services in times of peace and conflict. It's a tremendous sacrifice uh, that they've made. And I invite you back. We celebrate that big at uh, our 4th of July service. That is the Sunday that precedes the 4th of July. So veterans, we thank you so much uh, for your service. We, we, give you, we give you great love. So appreciate that and appreciate your work. Vicki mentioned the gathering. It's coming up now just in a few moments. Um, there's going to be a great breakfast out there. And then all kinds of fun, a little bit of chaos, a lot of joy and a little bit of, uh, of uh, congregational sharing is going to happen. It's all going to happen in an hour. So after you get out there and eat breakfast, come on back in here. Bring your kids. We're going to have nursery for the littlest ones, but I think the kids will have a lot of fun because there's um, some kinetic energy to it. So come on back to that. Um, let, me, let me just dig right into the sermon this morning. We're working on idols uh, this is our third in a four-week series, and years ago, I, I can't remember why we left late in the day, but we left late on a summer day on vacation. We were going out to Cedar Point, uh, Ohio, and we drove as far, and we didn't have a hotel, which makes some in my family really nervous. Um, and we drove to South Bend, Indiana, and pulled in, and there's a bunch of what I call the free breakfast hotels, you know what kinds I'm talking about, right? And uh, they're, they're in a row there, and it's, it's almost two in the morning. And we're going to leave at 7 in the morning. And so uh, my youngest was asleep, so she stayed in the car. And I went in with my oldest daughter into the desk. And, of course, you know, it's almost 2 in the morning. There's nobody there, you know. I mean, even the breakfast people haven't gotten there yet. It's quiet, and I, I don't know how I got someone. I don't know if I hollered down the hallway. But eventually, somebody came to the front desk, and I said, hey, I'd like to stay tonight. Uh, you know, can you give me a rate? Because we're just going to be here for a few hours. And she, you know, typed on the computer and said, $175. I know. Uh, I said, well, we're only going to be here until, you know, we're only going to be here five hours. We're just going to sleep and go. Um, and because Teresa has some training as a travel agent, I, I knew that the price that is sometimes said is not the only price they have. So I said, well, do you have anything? And, and the parking lot wasn't full either. So I said, do you have anything else? Uh, a little bit less. And she said, oh, well, how about 151? And I just said, you know, I think it would be a good price at two o'clock in the morning is $50. My daughter says, Dad. <laughs> Dad, you're making me so uncomfortable. I'm like, hey, are you going to help pay for this? <laughs> she says, but you're making me uncomfortable. Do you love being comfortable? I do. I love being comfortable. I, I love being warm in the winter and cold in the summer. I love to be full, which I'll be in about an hour's time, over being empty. I love that later this afternoon, apparently I mentioned the team in blue and silver too often, that I'll be able to pull my recliner back and see them. I like being comfortable like that. I love that about every 
other day or every third day I get to grab a cup of caribou coffee which I really like and just kind of sip it most of the morning do you love being comfortable 88.5 percent of all Americans live in comparative comfort we have what we want and comfort is a good thing that's enjoyed by the vast majority of Americans that's the uh, system that we live under that means that all but 11.5% of us live above the poverty line and in relative terms that means we have the opportunity to live as we choose now when we come to matters of faith the concern is that many Americans have made an idol of their own comfort and, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily um, idolatry when I meet with young couples when they're preparing to get married. You know, I have these conversations over a period of, of months with them, which is a lot of fun. And one of the things they almost always say is, so what's one of your goals? And, and I would say if it's not 100%, it's like real high in the 90s. A lot of them over the last 10 or so years will say, well, we just want to live comfortably. And I know that's probably a different thing for, you know, compared to what couple I happen to be talking to at the moment, but they just don't want, they just want to live comfortably, whatever that means to them. And, and I understand that because most all of us in this room and that are, are joining us online pursue some sort of comfort in our lives. We, we like to have a place where we can decompress, you know, let, let our guard down, where we can be stress-free. Some of us say we've got to have a certain, you know, a number of dollars in our accounts or in our, you know, in our securities so that we can be comfortable. And if we don't comfortable, and if we don't have that number, we, we start wringing our hands together in, in, in nervousness. And I've found over the last few years, and of course statistically this is backed up too, that lots of us, I mean the collective us, doesn't matter what generation you're in, we're okay now having just a few outside of our family, just a few authentic relationships rather than a whole, you know, plethora of friends. We're okay with just having a few. That's more comfortable to us. As a matter of fact, the number of friends um, that we have has gone down year after year. We like the authentic, genuine relationships because that's what makes us comfortable. And what I found as I studied this, uh, you know, the, the text that, Eli, the two texts that Eliah read uh, today and, and prepared for this is that comfort is a huge issue in commerce. I mean, it makes sense to me, but when I looked it up, um, there are 3,000, no, sorry, there are 300,000 restaurants in America that say they serve comfort. Yeah, who knew? Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, spit. Oh, I just did the Cracker Barrel menu, didn't I? Anyway, <laughs> but there's like, there's 300,000 restaurants because we like our comfort food. And there's a whole line, and you can Google it later after 11.15, of comfort clothes. And what comfort clothes are is they're clothes that when you put them on, they make you feel physically relaxed. And I got to assume they have a little stretch somewhere, right? <laughs> and, and there's comfort stuff. And, and probably many of us have, have uh, fallen peril to wanting comfort stuff, which is simply this ideal that, that we replace our phones, our gaming systems, our computers, our, our monitors, way before they're truly at the end of their lifespan. And then what I found was a really new category into the line of, of comfort is comfort shows. You, you probably knew this, especially some of you that come to this uh, congregation because you're um, you know, younger than me by a long time. But comfort shows. 
which means that at night when people are done kind of with their daily routine, they'll sit down and a couple of them that are really like um, uh, prevalent are like friends, which apparently is on every hour of every day. <coughs> and um, another one is the office, which I've watched that a few times. It just makes me nervous. It's so awkward. I, it doesn't bring me comfort at all, but... But comfort seeking is one of our defaults. And we really don't like being inconvenienced. We really don't like it. The NPD group in 2020 did a, a nationwide study and they said the American experience, regardless of what their stated political position or what they actually say out loud about uh, our carbon footprint and wanting to reduce it and all that, those sort of things, will most, most often choose comfort over everything else. For many people who have said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to go green. I want to have a less of a carbon footprint and say, and then they're asked, would you give up your dishwasher or your cell phone? Answer that question, no way. Okay? We like comfort. Um, we also know, because a lot of us shop, most of us eat every week, that if, you've, if you say, hey, we're going to really pursue healthy meals, the majority of the American public, when given the choice between convenient and comfort food versus healthy meals, 90% of them choose comfort and convenience. 90% of us, sorry, I said them, we're Americans. And we say, I mean, we say this to our friends, and a lot of you guys are a lot better at this than me probably. We say, hey, call me anytime. And, and then somebody uses their phone app to call us. And they say, hey, you got, you got a few minutes? Can you give me a hand? And you're like, dude, I'm watching the game. But I'm on my way. I remember years ago, Teresa and I were young married, so we'd just been in Colorado Springs for a handful of months. And uh, one of the young couples that we rolled with all the time came out. And it was, I think, uh, I think Fourth of July was going to be on Tuesday that, that week. And they said, hey, Mike, Teresa, what are you guys doing for the Fourth of July? And I'm like, awesome. We've only been married a few months. We're so getting an invitation to a barbecue, right? I said, and I don't answer this question that way anymore. But I said, hey, we got nothing planned. And she said, oh, good. We got a couple of friends that are getting married in our backyard. Can you do the service? <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, you know, I should have been thrilled. And I should have been saying, oh, it's a great opportunity to talk to people who don't come to worship and stuff like that. But I was like, dang, man, I, I, I can't wear shorts. <laughs> Back then, back then, Morgan had some legs, too. <laughs> I don't know when I lost control of this. Anyway, um, to, to the scriptures, there is this desire among all of us to be comfortable. And we said so. And so, unfortunately, that can lead to comfortable Christianity. And, and there's the caution flag. See, comfort is not a tenant in the Christian faith. That is not one of our major beliefs. There is no comfort in the cross of Jesus Christ. You remember that we wear as tattoos or necklaces or earrings and we adorn our sanctuaries with an instrument of death. That is not comfortable. 
That is the horror that Christ faced for us. Jesus makes a choice to give up comfort for your salvation and for mine. He is willing to take betrayal and denial by his buddies, those among his closest 12 companions, and his entire people that shout, crucify him, crucify him, <coughs> for us. He's willing to be humiliated, betrayed, beaten, and killed. All by his own choice. Do you think, Jesus says, from the cross, Matthew 26, <clears throat> do you think, looking at the people, that I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put disposal at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels, which is to say, if I want to, 10,000 angels can come here and wipe all y'all out. It's a choice. That discomfort of the cross, that inconvenience of the beatings and the humiliations and the difficulties, all were choice. And part of that has to do with the example that he wants to cast to all of us, that following him means that some things that we must do, that we must involve ourselves in, are contrary to comfort. Contrary to the world, va world values that we live in. <clears throat> First thing he says is, we need to stop seeking earthly riches. But we know we love to have more than less. But Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And he says, don't worry so much about the future. He says to his disciples, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you eat or about, what, about your body or what you will wear. He says, live sacrificially. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, which is the, the, the least of God's children, those that are without, so you have done it for me. And he says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All of those things that Christ commands us are counter to comfort. They're counter to being comfortable. C.S. Lewis, who is one of the, I think, one of the best Christian writers of several generations, <clears throat> but certainly of the last generation, some of you might have read some of his work, write this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. Well, that's a real grabber, isn't it? I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port, or we Americans would say a bottle of wine, I always knew a bottle of wine would make me happy. If you want a religion to make you feel really, really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity because there's discomfort in it. And that's okay because there's discomfort in every human life. People will ask you to do things and they're not always comfortable. Some folks as harsh as this is, even in your own church, are difficult. It's true. And life is challenging. Not everything that you're going to do, not everything that I'm going to do, is going to be affirmed by every person. And so faith reminds us, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Gospels that we read from this morning, reminds us that growing pains are necessary in faith for momentum forward. See, God can use our discomfort for spiritual growth. 
Comfortable Christianity has little urgency in the real world. If we're comfortable, <clears throat> we're not really called to do anything. When, when I'm down in there, in, in my recliner, you know, and I've got a remote in, our, in my hand, not really motivated to do a lot of other things. I see some of you have the same disease, <laughs> right? It's an affliction. Because when we're too comfortable in our, in our faith, then we don't really want to deal with the truth of the world, which is there are paradoxes, there are tensions, and there are unresolved questions in human life and in any body of faith. A healthy, comfortable faith constantly rocks you. It constantly prods you. It constantly blows your mind. This is why I love going to Bible study. I love my Bible studies that I'm in right now here in the church. Every Wednesday night, my mind is just like, never thought of that, never thought of that, never thought of that. And it challenges me and enriches my faith, which is why I encourage most of you to come to these things. Because if you're not restless to know more, if you're not restless to encounter God more personally, your Christianity has become too comfortable. You, you've compartmentalized it in a box. A disciple of Jesus needs to be, learns, needs to learn to feel okay when we're not okay. Because sometimes we're just not okay. We need to take comfort in God's promised presence. Eliah read this, this uh, I call it a tattoo verse, coffee cup verse. A lot of guys have this tattoo. Have I not commanded you, says God to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So that's pretty comforting. Because this world is never going to be fully comfortable for those of us who love the Lord. And the Christian, that's you and me, can be encouraged because on the sojourn of life, even through the inconvenient and most uncomfortable moments of our lives, we're not there alone. We're accompanied by the Lord himself. And when life is inconvenient, we have the opportunity to grow. You know, um, the world is not ever okay. I, I can't remember in any of my years where the world was completely and fully at peace, where there was no dissonance, in the place that I lived or the settings or political stuff or school stuff or work stuff. And yet, we can feel okay. We can. Because our God, the great comforter, is present. And this allows us, and I know you've heard this phrase before, to take one step out of your comfort zone, whatever that is. See, the Christian has a backbone. The Christian stands for their faith. One of the most difficult things that I hear of people that are Christians is when their friends are surprised that they're Christians. Oh, dude, I didn't know you were a Christian. Oh, dude, I didn't know you went to church. That should not be our case at all. The Christian stands for their faith. And, and we see others doing other things. And in the midst of the dissonance of the world, we are okay when people are doing something else. We'd prefer it not for ourselves, but we will not 
compromise our faith or our morals. We will not bend to blend in. And by the way, we, we sometimes say, oh, that's easy for you to say because you read the Bible and in biblical times it was easier. No, the purpose of the Bible being written is to show us that it wasn't easy then. You know, Jesus and his crew, they got pretty badly injured for not blending in. And that happens throughout every generation to the faithful in, in large and small ways. And you look at the disciples of Jesus who, who willingly put themselves in inconvenient situations outside their normal comfort zones. They pretty much wanted to huddle together because that's what Christians and faith groups like to do. We like to have our little holy huddles, but there are times very clearly defined for us when we need to step away from them out into the world. Now, I will tell you, and in what you read, uh, what Eliah read here, Matthew 25, and by the way, good job on a long reading, uh, Eliah, is not everything we do for Christ, not everything we do for Christ calls us out of our comfort zone, but we just need to be ready to go, and we need to be willing not to shrink when the chance comes up for us to serve God just outside our comfort zone. And then, and then we live day by day in God's comfort zone. If we, if we step out of our own, God's right there. He's already told us he's there in our comfort zone. We understand and affirm that God's purpose for allowing inconvenience in our life is useful to us because inconvenience can lead to spiritual growth. And is that not what we come to worship for? To grow in the Lord, to praise him. You know, um, I, I've watched lots of athletes and I, I was an athlete at one point in my life and what I know about athletes and athletics in general is athletes are habitually inconveniencing themselves it is inconvenient to run wind sprints to make your lungs just and for sweat to be pouring down so where you can't see out your eyes because we live in the Midwest it is inconvenient you know to pick up a couple hundred pounds and throw it up into a clean it's an inconvenient to, 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 to push your body so that it might grow so that you might be better at the sport you've chose that's what athletes do all the time and, and to, to continue that um, particular image I would say the Christian church needs a lot more players than it needs referees See, a referee is near the game. They see the game. They're actually not supposed to influence the game very much. Only the bad ones do. But they're just watching. What the Christian church needs is more players, more people that will get into the inconvenient mess that, of that whole lifestyle and, and play hard. Because one thing I know about athletics is the other group never lets you do what you want to do. Their whole goal is to stand opposed to that. If you're playing baseball, the pitcher's always trying to get you out. If you're playing volleyball, they're always trying to spike the ball down your face. This is the nature of it. And when we translate that to Christianity, uncomfortable Christianity requires us that we rely on God more than we rely ourselves on ourselves because we're willing to get into such as I that uh, illustration said into the game of life we're we're willing to be we're willing to serve more than be served 
We're, we're willing to, to live lives marked by sacrifice. We're willing to do hard things for hard people, and that's what we have to do. And then we can give and receive the comfort of God. Because those of you that are new to Marian Methodist, maybe you haven't heard this, but those of you that have been here for a long time know that we have this simple methodology that we say is how we execute our discipleship. And we're to live out, really, the meaning of five simplest, simplistic words. First, we offer our prayers. We listen and speak to God on our behalf and on the behalf of others. We pray. Secondly, we show up. We're present. We're, we're, we come to be with God and his people, and we come to be with, and we find ourselves out in the community with every kind of person, e even the kind that are um, discomforting or have concerns that we might not even understand and we give gifts you know part, part of the way that we give the comfort of God to the world and receive blessings back is we give gifts we joyfully offer our financial resources and sometimes they're beyond our comfort because sometimes there's need beyond our comfort and we're willing to witness I, I cannot tell you how hearing I, I can tell you and I, I just can't help you experience it how absolutely critical is to hear someone else's statement of faith I am so inspired when I hear one of you or one of our students or someone share their witness to to Christ because it's so interesting to hear somebody else's life story and it's so inspiring and of course you know we, we that quintet of words we use prayers presence gifts witness and last we serve we serve others we, we join God in building others up constantly and persistently so um, I want to at this moment share a prayer and I know the band's going to come up around me for our offering during this but one of my friends in, in uh, of all places uh, Omaha uh, wrote a prayer and it's first person so I'm going to read it first person uh, but I want you to um, you know uh, let that come engage that in your own lives so if you would let's pray um, a prayer against idolatry in our lives dear God you have created the world and you created me you want me to worship you to love you first to grow daily in my relationship with you you have created me you sustain me and you redeem me I want to worship you I want to love you first I want to grow daily in our relate, my relationship with you, but culture and creation are getting in the way. My career or my classes or my athletics or my successes, my social standing and the way I look at how others perceive me, money, possession, sex, control, power, security, comfort, approval, reputation, some relationships. I have given lesser things to the primary place in my heart and life, I have become attached to the things of this world and become distracted from you. I have worshipped your creation and not you. I have chosen to serve idols and not you, my creator, sustainer, and redeemer. Repair me from the hurts I have caused myself and others. Restore what I have elevated to an idol, to its rightful place. Remind me of your goodness. Give me the grace to seek you first. Give me the power to live righteously. Give me the faith to trust your promise that you will provide everything I need. I give you primary place in my heart. Amen.